0: This is a podcast about what's now and next for the mainframe. Welcome to Reframe. Every
1: computers now have primary control of critical vehicle functions. I'm Len. He's Dave. And on this episode of Reframe, we talk about people—the kind of people we're seeing choosing careers in the mainframe. There are new tools and new options for graduates and veterans alike. And in this conversation, we look ahead to some cool topics like machine learning, skateboarding, and shark tanks with our guest, Broadcom's George
0: DiCandio. So let's get started. Uh, With us today, we welcome to Reframe, George DiCandio. Welcome, George. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you. It's great to have you here. George is Broadcom's mainframe CTO. He's responsible for product development across the entire mainframe portfolio. He's uh, come via IBM, where after 25 years of development, architecture, management, and the executive suite, he was named a distinguished engineer. He has a passion for application development tools and process, and he's put that passion into the Rational suite in the past, Doors Next Generation, uh, Eclipse, Visual Age for Java, to name just a few. And it's great to have you on board, George, and uh, welcome to Reframe. First question off the rank, and we, the first question we ask everybody is, what are you most excited about at the moment? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm very excited to be
2: part of this mainframe community. I know many of the audience may have been part of mainframe for you know, 20, 30, 40 years or, or even more, but this is a recent development for me. I decided to effect over from the distributed side i <laughs> i got interested in mainframe um i i worked with um someone at at broadcom who in the past who was really deep into it and they sort of pinged me and asked me if i would bring some of my distributed knowledge over to broadcom and and apply it to the mainframe uh, so you're coming so, from the um, dark side De- def- well, <laughs> definitely. Definitely. All, all my friends tell me that I'm that I'm going to the dark side, but I I don't feel that way at all. In fact, the, of course, the, the mainframe is is a really fertile breeding ground for for some of the ideas that we've been implementing and distributed for a while. You know, we talk about things like open source and and DevOps um, and distributed for ten years or more. You know twenty years for open source. and now those same ideas and concepts are coming to mainframe and changing the way that mainframe software is developed. This is really exciting to me.
1: so so george, you're you're responsible for a team here at Broadcom. so what what sort of folks are you seeing um, entering the mainframe field these days?
2: Well, it's sort of interesting. We're in a really unique position in Broadcom now with Broadcom acquiring CA, mainframe business they're really investing quite a quite a bit in it so over the next over the past eight months and the next year or so we're looking to bring on 300 new mainframe engineers so we're looking of course at at all points in careers so we're trying to hire experienced mainframers where we can but um increasingly we're hiring out of university in fact um it's not even a common practice for Broadcom to hire out of university. I Typically, like to have experienced hires, but we've um, got exceptions, and we're we're bringing in, you know, young young students from university and getting them interested in mainframe. We have a, a newly renovated training program that we run in our Pittsburgh lab. It's called the ASC or Associate Software Engineer program, and we take people through. The, about an eight week course on mainframe and they, they graduate knowing quite a bit about mainframe and how to program on the mainframe. And it's been so successful. We we just had a, a graduating class of around 30, 35 of these engineers just a, a few weeks ago. Um, I think the week we were at share in Pittsburgh was, was there <laughs> with last, last week of training. And it's oh, yeah. been so successful that we're, we're, we're actually bringing some Um, customers through so uh, some of our customers mainframe customers of course want to do something similar where they can hire uh, you know university students and get them trained up on mainframe so we're offering that program to some of our customers now
0: see this is this is fascinating to me the the mainframe uh, the kind of people that we're getting coming out of university going into mainframe these are young guys these are guys with skateboards these are guys with you know starbucks in their eyes you know this is not a necessarily you know a dwindling career opportunity for people right yes
2: embarrassingly they're they're young some of them are younger than my daughter which is which <laughs> makes me feel really old But, yeah they, these are these are young kids and and let me tell you i'm they're very excited about a career in mainframe and you know they they know that this is a a rare skill that that they can get and become sort of a a hot commodity in the market. And the important thing to remember here is, you know, mainframe is is not an island like maybe it was 30 years ago. In order to work on mainframe now, it's sort of you need to know distributed plus mainframe. So it it's almost like a like a superset because, you know, all mainframes are connected in to the cloud now. They're connected to mobile and web applications. And you know, these these um kids coming out of school, they they know that type of development environment. They they know how to develop for cloud and web and mobile. And now they're adding mainframe to their repertoires, so they become even even more marketable. And when they do work in mainframe, they work across all these technologies and integrate it into a you know end to end solution. So I think they've got a lot of vision to, to look at mainframe at an early point in their career. Well,
0: this is it. They, they must have a, a long-term view that it's more than just about maintaining legacy code. They actually get a chance to to contribute to some exciting, cutting-edge projects because of that, that strange environment they find themselves where the, the lines are blurred between mainframe and distributed. Is that right? Uh, yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, the, I, I, I find
2: that... The, 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 bringing them in, you know, so it's great for them, obviously, but it's also great for our existing workforce. You know, being in an environment where we're hiring and and getting youth into the labs and you know, so, some ex- excitement and energy, it's it's energizing for for the whole the whole team. It's it's really um, been a great experience over the, over these last few months as we've been ramping it up.
1: Shifting gears just a little bit. Um... I know when we were, not, when we were doing our, our, our research into you before we had you on the show, um, I saw that you're a distinguished engineer. Could you just tell us a little bit about what that is? is I'm not really familiar with that.
2: Yeah, sure. So um, I guess I, I first became a, a distinguished engineer at IBM. So the, IBM attracted me out of college because they did have a, a sort of a technical career path that close to equaled their um executive career path so at IBM you they were very clear that you could raise through the ranks and you know get increasing resp- responsibility and um you know salary increase and so forth through the technical ranks the same as you could through the executive ranks so that attracted me to IBM and because I'd always been very technical and I had sort of you know fancy the technical career so as as i worked through my um my career at ibm i found that i actually moved in and out of uh, management and technical positions so i've been able to learn both the business side and and the technical side the way you progress on on the technical side and get distinguished engineer is you have a um you have a, essentially a career you know full of Technical success, leading teams on highly successful products, and you, you sort of become renowned for for those projects that you have done for for your resume that that you're building. Not necessarily for you, but for the team and and for IBM and for me. That a lot of that had to do with. Um, application development tools with, with Eclipse and open source and starting those projects with, with um, small teams and, and growing that and growing the importance of it in the industry.
0: That's a really interesting career path. We, I mean, we, dis- we discussed this um, a little while ago, but the idea that, yeah, you don't have to be committed to a management path to be able to succeed. For these guys that are coming into mainframe now, um, they they can really uh, succeed with technology. They can succeed with that technical bent, can't they?
2: Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. In fact, my my current team I, I um, manage a team of ten architects, and they have very very deep technical knowledge on the platform. Some of them very deep on ZOS, and then we have others that work on you know different parts of the portfolio that have deep expertise in machine learning and AI. We're, we're starting to take some of the, what we call the ZOS exhaust, all all these records and, and um, exhaust that the applications make when they're running on ZOS. We're trying to take some of that data off platform and apply machine learning to it to tr- try to ease the Burden that some of the sysops and sysprogs have, so that we is this like what's,
0: what what organizations call the firehose? You know, the the idea that it is all this data you've got to sort through. Yeah,
2: exactly. You you look at at the, just the SMF records on on ZOS platform, and it's a treasure trove of of information, but it's it's sort of sitting there dormant, and it's a big data problem in itself. Just you know, that one set of records, but there's a whole a whole bunch of information you can get from ZOS and the, the different systems and subsystems and trying to predict when your mainframe environment is going to get into trouble and potentially have a slowdown or failure out in the future, actually before it happens.
0: This, this is kind of cutting edge computing now. So we're talking to these graduates that are coming into the organization saying that, yeah you've got mainframe in your title but you're going to be working on machine learning that's an interesting blur- interesting world to be living in isn't it yeah well it absolutely is and and it's
2: interesting because at least the university hires that I've talked to we haven't had to do much convincing ab- about this they they sort of get it you know they they know that mainframe r- runs the back office and and most important applications in the world today have a back end of mainframe so it just makes sense if they want to you know get into something that's really business critical they have to understand mainframe and how to integrate that in with the rest of the world
0: mm, they have a they have a huge resource to call on and some of the interesting tools that are coming out i saw a presentation i think it might have been one that you gave at share where it talked about the kind of environments that these guys are going to be working in uh, and maybe some people will choose the green screen, and certainly the old guard that need to maintain directly the mainframe will need to use green screens. But you've got options for other IDEs. We've got uh, you know, various tools that can be plugged into the mainframe that people can work on. And there was a graph I saw that talked about, and maybe you could tell us, I can't remember the exact statistics, but it talked about last year and this year the difference in the kind of IDEs, the development environments, that people are using.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I'm an old Eclipse guy. I was involved in Eclipse, but Eclipse has sort of seen it day. We see the use of Eclipse um, really declining. And what's taking its place are new, sort of lighter weight tools, things like Visual Studio Code, that seems to be the most popular and the one that's growing. I mean, um, in 2018, it had about 35%. That's had a huge leap in the last year. Yeah, right? 30, 35% in 2018, and 2019 was it's over 50%. Wow. That's that's huge. But in addition to this, we're seeing sort of this this shift in the market uh, as, as Visual Studio came in and disrupted Eclipse. There's a, a new sort of trend that you're starting to see, which is these web-based or cloud-based IDEs. Well, one we're looking at particularly is called Eclipse Shea. And we've we've um, started an open source project out on Eclipse Foundation to adapt Eclipse Shea for mainframe. So providing language support for COBOL and PL1 and making sure that we're there for, for mainframe developers when that next generation ide becomes popular
0: yeah you mentioned open source there Uh, is your team developing open source software
2: oh yeah definitely so we've um broadcom and and ca have been a big contributor to um a project called zoe it's an open mainframe project Mm. to really try to open up the mainframe to other applications and to more most importantly i would say to the uh, the suite of tools which um are very common and and popular and powerful on the distributed side. so Zoe opens up mainframe API and command line interfaces so that you can integrate into tools like Jenkins and Chef and Puppet and mocha. all the tools that developers are using to create devops pipeline and automate their software delivery process we're now making those available to the mainframe and this this is pretty major right like the, the this is also very attractive to the students coming out of school where they've um they've learned how to use all this stuff you know they they've grew up doing devops and test automation and cicd pipelines and when they come over to mainframe they they don't want to go back to waterfall, right? They, they, they you know, <laughs> oh, most main most mainframe teams have transitioned or are in the process of transitioning to agile, but the DevOps transition has been slower, and right. that and you're ju- just starting to see it begin now. And at Broadcom, we we feel like opening up the mainframe to the tools that are already popular for DevOps is the way to go, and that that's our strategy, and we're working very hard towards that and donating a lot of code out into the community to make it happen.
1: No, I think that makes a lot of sense, especially as we're trying to attract more younger developers using the tools that they already know and are already familiar with and comfortable with just makes perfect sense. But
0: if they've been developed in open source, what reactions are you getting from customers to say, well, we're supporting open source and you should be implementing open source to get these benefits? A, a, a corporations, like big corporations, the guys running mainframes, are they trusting open source these days? Uh, well, that's a really good question. So we, we're, all, we're all gung-ho about
2: d- donating this stuff to open source, and we we did, we, we, uh, like I said, the Zoe project.
0: Sorry, um, who's contributing? We've got Broadcom, um, IBM is contributing some code, yep.
2: Yeah, so there's three main contributors. is Broadcom, IBM, and Rocket.
0: Oh, and and members of the mindframe community as well, like individuals, perhaps.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Zoe, we put it out there, and and we went out to our customers, you know, trying to get feedback from them, and we we did get feedback. We got positive feedback around what we were trying to do with Zoe, but many of our largest customers said that they couldn't adopt it internally in their enterprise because they their policy was that hmm. they needed. Anything they adopted, they needed enterprise support on. Mm. So we reacted to that by creating a sort of sort of like Red Hat did with Linux. Initially, we've created a sort of a Broadcom distribution of Zoe, which we call Brightside, which, among other things, gives customers uh, 24-7 support and all the legal clearance that they expect from software uh, that they bring into their enterprise. Skin in the game, I think they would call that. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. And and that's been, been received very well as well. So, you know, you, you can't always, um, don't always get it right the first time. That's part of the agile is you put something out there and see how the customers react and then react to it,
0: take their feedback and improve mm. it. Uh, you, you spoke in one of your presentations about this big balancing act you've got. So you've got developers that you're contributing open source code for the benefit of the mainframe community. And your roadmap talks about a balancing act. Do you, can you give us a, an idea of how you're looking at the future of your your development pipeline? Yeah,
2: absolutely. So,
0: you know, when when we decided
2: that we were going to invest fairly heavily in mainframe, reinvest heavily in mainframe, we needed to decide where to put that investment. And you know, you know part of it, we, we knew that some of our products that our customers depend on, we had um, we had been neglecting a little bit, right? We, we needed to sort of re-fortify um, those products and make maybe some number of features or update currency or- Like a recommitment. Yeah, exa- exactly. And we have a backlog, growing backlog of, Customer requests that we needed to get to, so you know we did a survey of of the products, which um, products most we have the most customers using, and which ones you know needed important items from their backlog implemented some love exactly. And so we you know that was sort of job one. So we did that that type of investment, um, but we also wanted to do some innovation as well, and so new things that perhaps could bring additional value to customers so the the first place we looked for that was sort of growing the products that we already have in in new directions so good examples of things that we've done around that are like we've invested in endeavor quite a bit and and bridging endeavor to the incredibly popular get the source code control system that that's mm-hmm. pretty much taken and think, over and distributed right. And in fact, I
0: come from Endeavor. Uh, this this is good. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, that's right. Good to hear. Yeah. So so it's it's and actually what we've done there is is really cool because a lot of these open source tools that we were talking about for DevOps they use an Endeavor interface in order to pull their source code down. So or sorry, they use a Git interface in order to to pull their source code down. And with this Endeavor Git bridge that we've created, you can use in a sort of a Git interface to synchronize your source code from Endeavor and integrate into the popular DevOps tools, which is really cool. You can awesome. bring up your, your IDE of choice, and if it supports Git, you can get it at your Endeavor source. Although I hate to admit it because um we had a competitor to Git when I worked at IBM Rational. Git has pretty pretty much <laughs> <Yes>. taken over. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, so that's that's one area. The other areas we've invested in I've already mentioned um trying to grow out. We have a very strong portfolio of IT ops products and in Broadcom. So trying to grow out through the, sort of apply some of this machine learning to what we already do in mm. IT ops with the machine operational intelligence that's been a, a new investment of ours where we've started a sort of a whole new product of, of innovation there and that that's been a challenge as well because these products with machine learning they they take some time to tune and and particularly even for individual customers they're not they all vary so we have had to work a lot with customers to try to tune our machine algorithm machine learning algorithms and Get value for each customer that way. So it's been sort of an exciting road. Like a lot of our customers, our developers and field teams have been working closely with with our customers for for years, right? And they they know what what our customers' needs are. They they see what their pain points are. But oftentimes in the past, they haven't had a a, way, a sort of an outlet to to bring those ideas forward and potentially even get them developed into products or features on existing products. So we've, we've introduced internally what we're calling a a mainframe innovation incubator program where, you know, just takes less than 10 minutes. Anyone that has an idea anywhere in, in Broadcom mainframe can fill out a form and, and submit their idea and then they'll have a, you know, a team of, senior architects and executives review that idea with them. So they actually get, you know, 35 minutes in front of a board to pitch their idea. And then we'll- Shark tank. It <laughs> sort of is, we call it the guppy tank though. We, we, think, we like to think we're a little bit nicer than the sharks. That's it's great. a combination of sort of passion for the idea, right? It, and the best ideas are not the ones that come with the solution, but they—they they really, you can see they really understand the problem, and they—they'll be. We need a solution around this space, but we're not sure what it is, and that's—that's that's what we want to hear. Is we—we want to know what the mm-hmm. problem is that customers have that they're that they would see value in if if we solved it, and then we take that idea and we put a team behind it, a, a six-week oh. period where we do an exploration and we get. You know, top top technical guys in the area that we want to explore, as well as our top product managers, and we even have marketing guys and support uh, developers that are working on these teams. Teams of you know around five to ten people for a six-week period, where they just explore the idea, they create some prototypes, they they understand the market, what the competitive landscape is, and at the end of that six weeks, they come back and they pitch what they've learned and where, how they think they should go forward. And if if they've got something reasonable, then we'll staff it with a team and do some experimentation where we'll wow. do some, some more traditional development sprints, create some MVPs and get those out into the customer's hands and so we can get feedback on them. We've cute. actually, just to give you an idea, I think we've had close to 50 submissions and we've been doing this for about, five months. We've had 60 submissions and we spent a lot of time reviewing all of them. And and then um, I think six or seven have moved to this explore state and we just have our first one, which we've decided to promote out into this experimentation phase where we'll be um, developing some, I don't want to say prototypes, probably MVP is a better word, yes. more viable product so we can test <laughs> with our customers.
0: Lean mainframe. I like it. That's, Lean that's a mainframe. Yeah, there
2: you go. You heard it here first.
0: Look out if we ever get onto Reframe TV, we might uh, have to broadcast <laughs> one of those Shark Tank <laughs> episodes, I think. Yeah,
2: that'd <laughs> be great. It's, it's really, they really are great meetings. And I think the sub- idea submitters really like, being heard—it's—it's it's what you, you sort of started off this podcast with, which was you know you're really trying to get people who are passionate about something talking about it, and that's what we've experienced in these in these incubator sessions. We've got people that are passionate about whatever idea they submitted, and it's really um, exciting to hear them
0: talk about it. George, it's been great to hear your passion for the mainframe as well. And we're looking forward to some of those products you can't talk about yet. We'll get you back on a future episode. But thanks so much for your time today. And we'll see you in another episode of Reframe in the future.
2: Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me on your inaugural episode. I really appreciate it. Thanks, George. Bye-bye.
1: That's it for Reframe for now.
0: A couple of important notes, Len. This podcast is copyright 2019 by Broadcom. All rights reserved, the term Broadcom refers to Broadcom Incorporated and its subsidiaries. The views expressed on this podcast by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Broadcom.
1: If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at Reframe Podcast, where we'll tweet a link to show notes. Feel free to ask us questions or suggest show topics or even guests. We want you to be part of the Reframe community. We'd love to hear from you.
0: Bye, David. Bye, Len. See you next time.